Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness, the ultimate destination to explore the integral connection between kinky wellness and your personal development. I'm your host and kinky wellness coach, Dana Shergill, and each Monday, I bring on a special guest to dive into specific aspects of kinky wellness. From unconventional practices to thought-provoking conversations, I'm here to break down barriers and redefine the boundaries of wellness and pleasure. Don't forget to join me for my solo shows on Wednesdays, where I explore even further into the multifaceted layers of kinky wellness. So let's strip away the shame and taboo together and have an open conversation about it. Hey, and welcome back. Today, we are welcoming back Master Joshua. Master Joshua is a professional dom, end-of-life doula, and a non-traditional sexual behavioral counselor. He has worked with hundreds of people, helping them achieve self-acceptance and to become more active participants in their own lives for over a decade. Of course, Master Joshua is the co-founder of the Power Exchange Academy and also the co-founder of the Sanctuary for Spiritual Development and Consciousness Expansion. Master Joshua was previously on the show during a candid conversation about the importance of suffering in episode 79, but today he's back to tell us everything we need to know about body mapping. So let's welcome Master Joshua back and jump right into it. Welcome back to the show, Master Joshua. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much. I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm excited to have you back. That last conversation, we got a lot of buzz around it. I think it really impacted people about the importance of suffering and just talking about it. So I'm very glad to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, the last time we were on, it was an incredible conversation. Uh, and I really, I really love chatting with you. Yes. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about body mapping and what it is and what its purpose is. So I guess we could just start breaking down body mapping and what is its purpose. So body mapping is a connection process that was taught to me by my slave, Mary, uh, slave, Mary's disabled and connecting with her when we first started, uh, she started off as a client years ago and connecting with her and learning to work with different bodied folks and with different abilities. She showed me that there's a lot more to the body than one could even begin to imagine. Uh, she taught me about this process starting from the top of the head, going down to the bottom of the feet over a number of different sensations, one being a super light nail drag, then something a little more firm, and then a heavy pet. And those varying degrees of pressure feel different throughout different parts of the body. On top of that, different levels of compression, right? So squeezing or pushing down onto the body. She taught me this process to really get acquainted with the person because she had spinal surgery and in some areas of her back, she can't feel, but I wouldn't know what areas if I didn't understand the layout of her, of her anatomy and her, her nervous system, understanding as we age, things change, things can change day to day, uh, different bodied folks, different sensations change. And what I learned from that is through body mapping, we use an outline of a, of a human person and we'll go using the clipboard and it's almost like you can turn this into like a role play almost right where you'll start at the top of the head and you'll start soft and it's only one hand right because if you do two then the person's going to get distracted and not know 
what to communicate left or right. So it has to be done with one hand. And as you're going, you're looking at the person's ex expressions and the conversation is, if you feel me touching you, let me know. If you feel I stop touching you, let me know. If it's something feels really good, let me know. If something feels bad, let me know. And bad in the sense of it doesn't mean pain, but awareness. Like some people don't like to get touched in the small of their back. Some people aren't aware of that until the hand is actually there. So what we're doing is we're taking time to exchange information with the person. Going from the top down, light sensation, light touch all the way down. Marking different areas of the body. I'll, I'll, I'll do, a, do a quick outline for you. I'll, I'll do my stick yes. figure yes. outline. <laughs> right? This is going to be horrible, but work with me. I'm no Picasso. <laughs> all right, so... Let's say we're going down and this is, we'll say this is the front. Now I have one for the back. It's double sided. And let's say under her armpits, she tickled and was super sensitive on the light touch, right? So the legend, which we have a legend, but ultimately the legend is LS for light sensation, medium sensation, heavy sensation, and then light pressure, medium pressure, heavy pressure, right? So LS, MS, HS, LP, MP, HP. So here we would put LS for light sensation and it, and it tickles. So we would put a, a smiley face or a green, right? Or any marker that works for you and the person you're working with. And I say different things because some people work better with color coding. Other people work better with letter legends, right? So finding what works best for you is, is important here. So we go from the top down and we make markings on the paper so that when we, after we're done with all the sensations, we can reflect it back to the person and talk what this journey down their body was like. Funny story. We used to do this with body markers and it was a lot of fun, but then people couldn't get all of it off. So <laughs> they would have Sharpie on their toilet bowls, right? <laughs> yeah. Up against the wall is pretty funny stuff. But what we were learning is people were unaware of their own sensitivities, of the own sensations that they like, or that they don't like, areas that would remind them and bring them to the past, or areas that would trigger them into incidences from the past. And it was an incredible opportunity to connect and to be vulnerable with each other in our bodies. That wasn't play-related, that isn't kink-related, but it's explorative and it's about vulnerability. Absolutely, and I think to your point about how people don't know what type of pressures or where that can come back to is very important to let people aware of because it's one of those things like you can't tickle yourself or at least I am pretty sure that's the case. Maybe yes. is that right? Yeah. Okay. That's so it's like, you yeah. can't even do that with yourself. You do need the help of someone else to kind of go through those sensations with you. You do, you do. And I use the tickle analogy, uh, the tickle tickling as an example uh, in the class that you can't tickle yourself. So when you're touching yourself, you don't really, now, there, there is self-soothing, which works for a lot of folks, but it's not the same thing as body mapping, right? Body mapping, you're, the intention is for you to be aware of the sensations that's happening to your body via touch and how your body is responding to it so you can log it as information. Because when you move forward from here and you move into vulnerability through sensation, through touches, the more information you have about your own body, the better you can advocate for yourself too. Mm. 
Absolutely. Now, when you get into like the softer forms to the more pressured points, would that just be kind of like a feel out like a massage or is there a certain type of technique that you encourage people to use while you're doing this? So the light sensations, I'm going to take off my, my shirt for a moment. So I want to, I want to give you an example. Okay. Uh, I can do it a little slower. We have some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when we do the class, when we give the class, we give these examples because we want to make sure everyone's on the same page, right? So let's say if a person has nails, what we're going to do is we're going to do it with the very tip of the nail, very tippity top. So that is a very light scratch drag. It's some people call it tickling. If that's unavailable, what you could do is you could take like a bobby pin and run it over the skin, something short with very little bit of edge so that the point of contact is very minimal to create that sensation of being tickled of, of and heightened sensation, right? Making mm -hmm. sure it's nothing sharp, right? You don't want to use a knife for this. Mm -hmm. And you just drag it all throughout the body, up and down, down the hands, around the face. And you'll see areas where people twitch and tickle. Others find out that they're violently responsive to tickling this way too. Folks who may have been traumatized and tickled, tortured as children, uh, sometimes find out that these light sensations are not for them. And mm -hmm. what I like about it is that we don't have to figure this out at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Yeah. Right. You're, you're giving yourself permission to explore and have information about yourself before even moving into those realms. And I think it's a good point to just stop and slow down and do these practices to educate yourself on yourself but I really feel like this is a type of thing that it's best to move slowly in this and it's meant to be savored while you're doing this yes. the the bonding from it is incredible because you get to take a trip down memory lane as well right so like there's areas on on um when I was doing it with the slave Mary there was areas on her body that she didn't realize she couldn't feel and then we went into the conversation around well what happened what do you remember around that area and it allowed us to process and bond and connect even further. Uh, and that was simply off the light touch. Now, mind you, there's six others, right? You have the medium touch, which isn't the nail dragging, but it's more like a softer drag over the skin. You're not pressing down, but it's just a, a more consoling touch. When I was teaching this in San Diego, we were talking about the different types of touch. Like this would be a soft, gentle stroke, like a tickling stroke. The second one is more like a con con consoling touch, something you would do on someone's back when you're rubbing them as they're processing or trying to bring someone down, mm. right, out of hypertension or whatever it is that, that gets them up to bring them down. The heavy stroke is more like a heavy pet. It's more like a grope, like a, like a deep push on the skin. And more people would associate that with like a lighter massage or leaning towards a massage. And again, not the gripping of it, but more of a pressing down of it. And there people can, can find out different things about themselves in areas around the back, down near the butt, on the legs. <clears throat> a lot gets recalled from those types of touches. And then we move on to the pressure, which isn't the same as the stroke, but squeezing of the body. Some people love the restraint and the grip and the pressure of it. Other people feel claustrophobic from it and want to step away from it. Mm -hmm. So gradual 
application of pressure to the body, right? Pushing down and only one hand at a time. Because again, if we do two hands at a time, a person can't keep track of both things happening. So this allows us to slow it down. We go down the left side, we come back and go down the right side, come back up and start again, go down the left side, come back up and go down the right side. And we do this cycle a number of times. Another thing to consider in that is temperature as well, hot and cold, and also speed. How soft does a person like to be, how slow does a person like to be touched versus how fast does a person like to be touched or not? And what does that make the person feel like in their body? Mm. So it's a heavy set of information and self-awareness that a person gets to experience through this process and the bonding between two partners. It's, it's really incredible. Well, I feel like somebody might actually be surprised because I, I actually feel that people underestimate how much they are aware of their body. Yeah, that, and that's very much it. Having different areas of your body touched without the intention of play, but discovery is what allows that to, to come to the, to the forefront, mm. is the, the awareness. Oh, wait a second. Because how often have we been touched in these places, period, and then add intention on top of that? Well, I think even with it comes to touching, like we're so used to just some, just like you hug somebody and that's about it. And unless you're like sexually active with somebody that's people don't really think like, oh, I can just massage your shoulders or like relax you. And we aren't really encouraged to touch each other in just like a helpful, exploratory, almost friendship way. Like that's not really a bonding tool that I feel like we use out here, but it totally is. And we, I think it should be more encouraged to be closer to each other when it comes to touching. And this is a great way to do it. I agree. I agree. That's actually something I was talking about recently around masculine and male-bodied folks not having that space to be affectionate or intimate with others of the same gender mm. without the titles or labels being put on it. Like you can put your arm around your friend and talk, right? And console them. You can rub their back and put their head on their shoulders while they cry and it's okay. You can hug someone and be okay hugging. Like it's, it doesn't mean anything about it. There's research around how long does holding a person, how long does it take before the feel good chemicals kick in, right? So like hugging a person for 20 seconds can really turn your day around mm -hmm. by flooding your body with good chemicals because of the embrace. I mean, we're, we're sensory animals. Mm. Yes. And that's the thing. It's just when we've lost the ability through all five senses, I've had this conversation where, you know, we're bombarded even like through scent. It's just so overwhelming about perfumes and things like this, that it screws up with our decision-making. Sometimes it's so overwhelming. And with touch, it's just like, no, this is only reserved for a certain amount of people or a certain type of relationship. And it's not like, it's not like who made these rules up. These rules are just kind of to push people away from each other, but it's, um, it's kind of finding the way back to no, we should be including each other, holding each other, consoling each other and getting over what the labels are too, because it's more mental. Like, Oh, I don't want to hug you. Cause somebody might say something about me. Like, mm -mm. yeah, I worked with, um, who our session was walking down the streets, holding hands. And that was very difficult for him for a number of reasons, but he needed for himself. He wanted to, and needed to release that shame because he was, it was affecting his ability to be intimate publicly for, mm -hmm. with 
partners that are open to public forms of affection. Yeah. And I guess I just, yeah, holding hands. It's some To some people might say like, oh, that's just a simple thing. But to some people, it's not just a simple, small thing at all. Um, I was talking about consent culture. We had an event here uh, Friday evening and there was a couple of gentlemen I was speaking to. And it's tough because you have different cultures and then you have different approaches to what consent looks like in those cultures. Like for the leather and BDSM community and king community, Consent is no until yes. In a lot of swing spaces, swinger spaces, consent is yes until no. Hmm. For some, for some, but not for all of them, but that's, these are like the fundamental approaches for these communities. Uh, you go to a leather bar and the culture there is yes until no for a lot of folks. But then what about folks like myself who aren't yes until no? We're no until yes, right? Like yeah. don't touch me unless you ask me. So finding autonomy in our bodies, uh, being able to ask for what we want when we want it, as opposed to being subjected to being given what we don't want is tough. So to find these spaces and vulnerability to, to actually allow your body to be touched is tough in and of itself. I like that this is just an exploratory thing, body mapping. Like it's got nothing else, just this is educational. This is just to see like, what works, what doesn't work, can you feel? And like, to your point about some people didn't even realize they couldn't even feel sensation in certain yeah. areas. That's, that's pretty wild. That could be very dangerous, especially within the BDSM and kink realm, right? Like impact play, if we're doing using whips or floggers or canes and a person can't really tell you that they're feeling the intense sensation, you possibly break skin or do something even worse because they're unable to feel it. There was an event I went to years and years and years ago where there was this big, brawny football player type of guy there, and he was asking to be flogged. He wanted to be flogged heavily. He wanted to see how much he could take. And they started working him over, working him over and over and over, and he, he could just take it all. And at the end of it, he said, yeah, I had a football accident, and I can't feel anything on my back. Oh, wow. And it's like, that's super, super dumb and dangerous right it's like if you knew going into this that you can't ha you don't have sensation on your back the last thing we should be doing is hitting you on your back to see how far we can go before you feel it and that's that's really scary so now imagine he went in knowing that stuff what about the folks who don't know that stuff yeah they go into it and they're and they're trying and trying and they think there's something wrong with them or they need to keep pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope because they can take so much, take so much. And it's like, no, your body just has no sensation there. And it's very, 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 very dangerous. Yes. And I think people should understand that even if you're withholding a whole bunch of emotions or if they're really repressed, that also can help. So like this is kind of a gate too. So it might yeah. be emotional or physical trauma of why you can't feel certain things in certain areas. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't, I didn't, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. 100%. <laughs> I have a mix of emotions when someone gets triggered in these types of classes, right? I, I feel grateful that they were able to explore, experience this within the safety of an education space. But then in some cases, it's really tough to hear what they've gone through and that this is the space that they had to learn it, mm. right? And it can be heavy lifting for some folks and it doesn't, it hasn't happened often to that degree, but once is enough to understand that there's a lot of power behind discovering your own body and the secrets that it holds. 
Mm. And finding a space to do it, to walk with you through it is extremely powerful. Yes. And that there's nothing at the end of it too. Like sometimes I think that people feel like, oh, do I have to like have sex? Like, will it turn into something sexual later? Like, I think that's too, like sometimes people joke about it, about massages, like, oh, I'm going to massage you up and then we're going to lead into sex. But like, we want to take away that type of feeling so you just can relax. So this is just about being present in that moment and not kind of an expectation later on for something else. 100, 100%, 100%. Cause then you can be fully present and you don't have to think about, well, what comes next? What if I don't perform? What if I don't get an erection? What if I'm not this? What if I'm not that? And there's so many swirls going on in the mind that it's like you're missing the whole point of discovering your body. So like, like you said, there is no obligation at the end. There is, this, is the, this is the point, is to learn yourself. Yes. So when someone's coming into a body mapping session like this, are there any like pre-preparations, post-preparations that people should? Definitely we'd mention temperature. More or less, it would just be an environment of what's most common to the in individual. Yeah, well, so when I work with clients directly, make sure you eat, make sure you shower. Uh, make sure you get some rest and drink a lot of water just to hydrate so that you're not dehydrated coming, coming into it. Granted, if you have to pee every five minutes, I'm cool with that. We'll yeah. just do it in between, in between sensations. But uh, definitely those things. Eat, shower, drink water, and rest. When they come into the space, the idea is to get the space to room temperature, 70-something, maybe 80-something degrees, so that the person can be undressed without sweating, Mm -hmm. and perspiring because then that's another thing oh my god i'm sweating right so figuring out where that good middle ground is for the person's comfort also not to be too cold also not to be too hot i like to do it with music something just light ambient in the back to block out any other sounds so that when we start the person can just close their eyes i don't like to put a blindfold on because that adds pressure mm. to them and that's just another point of contact they may be mindful of especially if the blindfold starts to hurt or bother and we don't do anything to adjust it. My hands generally warm. Make sure you wash your hands. Don't use alcohol, like water, soap and water, so that you're not drying out your hands because the last thing you want to do is have dry skin rubbing their body because <laughs> that's what they're going to be feeling is the, the dry skin on you. You can also use gloves, I, I like fabric versus nylon or latex because you want to be able to have that sensation and the warmth of the skin and the contact as the top, as the person doing it, you need to feel what's happened. At the end of it, like we discuss, we have a negotiation process moving into it and it's called MITPISA. I have it written down somewhere, but I can send it to you. And it stands for marks, injuries and illnesses, triggers, turnoffs, tone and time, proximity, Intentions and intensity, sex, safety, safe words, senses and substances, and then aftercare, afterwards, and anything else. And I'll get you. I'll get you that list. This is a uh, proprietary negotiation format that we created, so that we can make sure people are covering all the bases when moving into these spaces, right? Regardless of whatever type of intimacy or vulnerability or energy or power exchange you're going to engage in, we always recommend negotiating before connecting every time because a person may be in a different headspace 
whenever you connect. Mm. So the idea with body mapping and this negotiation process is the top and the bottom discuss comfortability within this negotiation process. For body mapping, the potential of leaving marks would come in the sense of pressure, right? If a person bruises easily, but we have to be aware of that moving into that because one of the things is heavy pressure. So that's a risk with body mapping. You could mark bruise a person if they're sensitive like that. The next one is injuries and illnesses. Are there any injuries or illnesses we should be concerned about moving into body mapping so that if we come across them, we can handle them or we're aware of them when we get there? Something like this would be if a person can't stand for a prolonged period of time, something to be aware of. If a person takes any type of medication that affects their sensations, and this is as the top or the bottom. Those are just a few examples of what to be mindful when it comes to injuries or illnesses. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're taking pain meds also, that could affect how a person's feeling. So this would be discussed moving into this. Then you have triggers. Are there any triggers that I should be aware of when touching your body? And this gives a person an opportunity to reflect on potential triggers. So when we move into that, we are aware of the landscape of the person we're engaging. in. Turnoffs aren't quite triggers, but turnoffs are more things that get you out of the headspace. Mm -hmm. Like if a person's distracted or starts humming or starts doing something else or the lights are too bright, right? There's different things that get us out of our headspace that can affect the experience. The tone in this situation for body mapping, the tone is exploratory and experiential and educational. We're going to learn about our bodies by exploring them. And we're going to be taking notes and writing them down on our pad so we can keep a track of what you're experiencing. The time. How much time are we going to be doing body mapping? This is important. Let's say, should you connect with a person and you show up at their house and you have three hours to do body mapping and they only have 30 minutes. Mm. And it's like it totally throws us off because we can't really, we're not on the same page at this point. Then we move into proximity. When it comes to body mapping, we're going to be close to the body, right? So in proximity, how comfortable are you with my body coming to yours? How comfortable are you with my face coming close to your body? Because we're going to be in someone's personal space. So we want to make sure that they're able to advocate for that. And you as well as the person doing it. Because mm -hmm. what if you're not comfortable being super close, but you need arm's length? Right. That's a place where you advocate for yourself as the top, as the person doing the experiences. In proximity, we'll also talk about are there areas you're not comfortable with me touching? And sometimes the genitalia, sometimes it's the armpits, sometimes it's the feet, sometimes the face, ears. People have their own rights to their body and advocacy for their body. So making sure that we give them the opportunity to do and say that is important. Even though this is for experiencing and understanding their priority and advocacy is more important than the exploration intentions and intensity. So the intentions for this would be body mapping, exploring the body, the intensity on a scale of one to 10, which we would be completely subjective, 10 being the most intense sensation. How far are you, would a person be looking to go in this spectrum of, of sensation? Now for body mapping, we're not looking to go onto the 10, 
because it isn't about intense sensation. It's about learning what sensations you can feel. So intensity may not have such a big role to play in that one, except for the pressure. But that's mm. understanding the person's threshold versus how far are they looking to go. When you have sex, in this case, body mapping isn't, for the exploratory portion of it, it's not intended to be sexual. So this question would be asked, is sex something on the table? Yes or no? If the person says yes, then you would ask, well, what does sex look like to you? Define it for me. Because my definition of sex is probably going to be different than your definition of sex. So if we both understand what sex means, would we be able to avoid stepping on a landmine there because we're both on the same page? Safety, washing of the hands, making sure that there isn't anything that can contaminate, make sure that if we're in a room or in an apparatus doing this, that the equipment is safe. Make sure that there's no open wounds. Anything that can compromise safety is discussed here. Substances also includes medication, alcohol, plant-based medicine, anything that you're, that you're putting into your body that can alter what your body's experiencing, substances are part of that. Safe words, yellow and red, often work. Also, just direct communication. Ooh, that feels kind of funny. I don't know if I like that. But being that this is exploratory and educational, this is where you say that stuff, mm. right? So you use your language and you practice using communication and safe words to inform and keep this energy in, with integrity. And then senses. We have some folks who are hypersensitive in certain areas, smell, taste, touch, sound, sight, energetic senses. And we have to be mindful of what does a person experience in those settings? And this comes back to um, if, the if the room is too cold and the person's temperature sensitive, it's hard to concentrate when the setting is uncomfortable. Then we move down to aftercare. After we engage in exploring each other's body like this to help map each other out, or one person doing it to the other, what do we do after to bring us back and level us off again, to ground us? Uh, that level of openness and vulnerability can have people feeling heightened senses. Some people can feel disoriented or in some cases even achieve subspace. Subspace being, for some almost an out-of-body experience, just from all the chemicals that rush into the body, the presence of being, the open and acceptance of the person with you can really elevate consciousness for some people. So aftercare, what do we do after we're done? We sit, we talk. Would you like to go for a walk? Tea, cuddle. This is where you can put the sex component in it if that's what you negotiated, would come in the aftercare. And then you have afterwards. For some folks, they like to follow up a couple of days later to make sure to see how the person's doing, to reflect on the experience they had, and to debrief. And then last but not least is anything else, anything we may have missed. This is where I would send the person to the bathroom, just in case, before we start, so that we can have that off the plate and we're ready to go. We use that negotiation process before moving in to the experience itself. That was very, th I feel like you went through everything there. I really am. I like that. Now you mentioned something about you can do apparatus. Is there a specific, like in your experience, do you find that most people like this lying down or sitting or in an apparatus or really it changes? It, it varies. Most people do it standing. 
standing okay most, most people do it standing yeah because um you really get a lot of access to the whole body and the person's not flat uh, on their back however you can do it sitting and, and laying down as well i'm thinking i've probably had maybe two people out of two to three hundred who didn't do it standing up they had to do it seated because of um health reasons either their knees couldn't support them or fatigue something along those lines now this sounds like something where i would encourage or i would assume that you know it's encouraged to bring a pen and a paper just to write these things down and take notes of because this is something that you can build up off of or the next time you come in to do this see if anything changed what what uh yeah pen and paper absolutely what come came back to mind was the body markers how it originally started Make sure that they're washable body markers yep. <laughs> with soap and water and get color codes and you can make your own legend, green, yellow, red, happy face, whatever works for you. And what I noticed with the body markers is at the end, the person stands in front of a mirror and they look at their body. And it's a hard reflection back to them for some and an incredible for others to see all these markings on your body of things that you may or may not have known it makes it real at that point. I feel like that would be a very almost spiritual moment too, just to like look at it and be like, okay, this is the reality of it. And now there's things for me to work on or to take a notice of, or just pay attention to like all of these things. Like it's right there in front of my face. I cannot ignore this any longer. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly the experience. Wow. When I teach it in classes, I do it on paper because that's a lot of people to wash body markers off with. But if you can do it at home and you do have an option to shower afterwards, try it with the washable body markers. It'll really change the way you experience and relate with your body. Absolutely. Now, for anyone doing it at home, and do you have any like tips or challenges that you find that people have had that you just want to make aware of that someone might or like any risks or challenges that they might face doing it at home? Uh, make sure you have the time. Mm. Set aside two hours for something like this so that you're not rushed, so that you can talk about it, so that there isn't something at the end of it that mm. your mind is already going to go to, right? Do it where you can have, hell, if you can ha do it with nothing on the back end of it, do it that way because you, who knows how, how that will evolve and what type of permissions or forgiveness and compassion you'll find in that process. Forgiveness. I like that. I think that more people need to understand that forgiveness. Oh, I don't know. I feel like maybe this is my own personal opinion, but we're kind of in this weird spot. We're like, Oh, we don't need to forgive. Like we can just move on. And it's like, you do like whether or not you say, even if you don't get that apology or I, you know, you might be owed or whatever the case may be. You still have to give forgiveness to yourself, to the other person, to the moment of what it is, just to move on from it and be able to heal. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a moment very much along these lines of forgiveness. Cause it's like, well, give an example, right? What does self-forgiveness look like? And I do, can I go into this story? Yeah, it's absolutely. Off of body mapping. But um, I was teaching at this conference in San Diego called the Sur Festival hosted by uh, Jojo Bear and Evan Wilson, amazing, amazing men. It was an all-male event, and I was there to teach uh, BDSM and body mapping, impact play, and one more class. And throughout the weekend, 
I identify as pansexual. I identify as leather sexual, meaning if you're in the leather lifestyle, I probably want to hook up with you. <laughs> meaning if you are a leather person, like the beliefs and protocols and foundations, I can go down that whole rabbit hole. But I was there among other men who were not hetero. And throughout the weekend, I'm connecting with these men. I was having a wonderful time with them. And I was out to dinner with three men. And they were in their 60s, late 60s and up. And while I was sitting there, we were talking about this community that they have somewhere in the Midwest. It's like a hundred and something folks that just, they live in a, in a village of sorts. And they all have their roles to play and responsibilities. And I'm listening to their lives as three gay men who have gone through generations and they've seen a lot and they've had the deal and they survived the AIDS crisis and a ton of stuff. As we got to the gentleman sitting next to me, we started talking about one of their residents who was in his late 90s and he's going to be transitioning to his afterlife soon. But the gentleman didn't want to talk about it. He felt like it was something he didn't want to hold space for his friend with because he didn't want to face it. The relevancy of this is I do end-of-life doula work and I was speaking to him about this process, about having to let go and work through. And what I realized in this deep conversation is I felt safe among gay men. When I was younger, and I don't know at which point it happened or how many times it happened, but I was touched in a way that I felt unsafe or dirty in my body. And subconsciously what I did until this very moment with this beautiful man who was sharing the most vulnerable thing he could have shared with me is I kept the gay community at a distance because I didn't want to feel that way in my body. I was afraid of being touched and made to feel the same way I used to feel when it happened to me when I was younger. I was afraid it would happen to me again as a man. So I just stayed away to protect myself. I realized I lost four decades of connection with other men in any level because of my fear of feeling that way again. I was in survival mode, hmm. doing whatever I can to keep myself safe. Now, as I had this realization with this man next to me that I was safe and it wasn't him and it wasn't gay men, it was particular people that I felt, I felt shame and embarrassment. In turn, all this happened in seconds because here I am judging a whole community for the way a few people made me feel. And then I said, it's okay. You did it to survive. You're no longer surviving because in that same fraction of a second, I realized that I've already been advocating for myself in these spaces for over a decade. So my survival mode kept me safe up until this point. And I had to be thankful for it. I also had to say, I don't need you anymore. And forgive myself for keeping those walls up for so long because I just, I was afraid. And that's where self-forgiveness can come in. Something, things like that. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And, it was game changing, game changing. for me. Well, I think that it's one of those things like we don't encourage self-forgiveness. I think it's one of those things we expect forgiveness only from external sources all the time, like someone else, something else, someone outside has to give us those forgivenesses. But there's a lot of things over life that you're going to have to forgive yourself for. And it comes with growth. If you're not growing, you have to forgive your younger self or you wouldn't change. Like you yeah. be that person, I guess, still. Exactly. Exactly.
Well, I think body mapping can definitely, it sounds like it definitely can help you do that as well. And even to your point, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, right? We, we know there's a lot of people out there that maybe they were touched in a way where they don't realize they've put up a wall and body mapping can help take that down in a very safe, secure, in control environment at such a slow baby step process. If that's what you want to do, or that's what it requires, it's completely in your hands. 100%. Yes. Yes. I love, I love how you frame that because that's, that's, that's exactly how it works. It's funny how often we're not encouraged to explore our own bodies, I think. And when we are oh. in, like, it's, it's actually quite wild. Like we will go into exploring our minds, our emotions, all these things. You just things. gave me an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. No, okay. So here I am, Master Joshua, big pro Dom. Oh, he's got to know everything <laughs> and have no shame. Not true at all. I was here maybe two years ago now, over two years ago. And I was here with my slave, Karma, at the time. And we were doing a lot of intense stuff. And when she left, I was still here by myself, still revved up. And I'm walking past the mirror. And I look into the mirror. And I have this inner dialogue around self-exploration. The permissions that I never gave myself to explore my own body sensually and sexually and penetratively, exploring my own ass, my own butt, right? Because I've always been curious about anal stuff, always. And you have the shame and the fear and what does it mean? And it's going to hurt. And what if, what if, what if? There's all these what ifs that just kept popping up. And yet here I am telling people to live their lives, to go pursue things and really dive in and say yes as long as it doesn't conflict with you morally and everyone consents it's like run with the ball called life and yet here i am looking at myself in the mirror afraid and so i said screw it and i got my queening chair i pulled out a few of my toys and i started to explore myself in front of a mirror with lube with gloves with toys i put a, a doggy pad on the floor to catch any lube and what I did is I gave myself permission to explore my own body. I opened myself up. I felt, I learned what felt good. I learned what didn't. I learned how to open myself up easily. And then most importantly, I learned how to communicate it to my partners afterwards. Because now I'm not asking someone to drive this car of exploration of myself for me. I'm doing it for myself and I'm allowing others to gain access to it with me. Mm -hmm. And it really put the power back into my own head. And what that made me think of is you have body mapping externally, and then you have body mapping internally. What feels good to you inside, right? Because yeah. there's some people who are afraid to open the door, the, the, the proverbial back door because of how much it hurts. Well, what if you actually took the time to learn your body yourself so you can walk your partners through it? And I think that's something that also that I, it's one of those things, like just sit in front of a mirror and just look yourself dead in the face and be like, it's just me and me. Like, it's just you and you knowing. And these are things when people are really nervous, like you can talk to people, but in the same breath, like you don't need to openly tell people if you're not ready, like you can try exploring yourself with yourself as long as you're safe. There's obviously resources like you and I that we can, will definitely help and always answer questions. But again, like 
you can do these things. We are allowed to explore ourselves. Like we are allowed to explore ourselves when we want in our own house, like in our own spaces. Yeah. All forms of, all forms of masturbation are okay. Right. As, again, as long as no one's being harmed, everyone consents. Well, granted, if it's self-masturbation, self-pleasure, you'll be the only one there, but don't, don't do anything that conflicts with you morally and just give yourself permission and compassion to feel because this body we feel so much more than just with our fingertips like when i tell guys if you've not had an anal orgasm it's a full body orgasm from head to toe that it's it's really hard to put into into words because you're so present in everything every nerve in your body's on fire and it's like it's the most gratifying intense experience but you have to work through fear and shame to get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we are like our hardest critic there. Like we are like, it's not sometimes like we really are, but this has been great. I, I really think that body mapping is everyone should at one point do this because if you're not, then you are missing things about yourself. There's just really no other way around it. Absolutely. And, and understand who you are today is going to change tomorrow. Right. Yeah. As we get older, our, our body changes uh, for female bodied folks. When you have your period, your body changes. Right. The work up to the period, the after the period, it's like our whole our bodies aren't the same 24 seven. Yeah. And it is going to change. And if you have a new partner, start with body mapping. If you have a partner you've been with for 20 years, go home and do body mapping today and give it a shot because you're going to be surprised how much you learn about your own body. Mm -hmm. And maybe what you might remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I feel like when it comes to this, inevitably, there you know, might be a time where you accidentally get triggered or something starts to flare up. And you would just treat that in this scenario, kind of like the same thing with aftercare, just immediately go into sense of calmness, calming down. But do in your experience have you seen like a very big trigger out of body mapping from the sounds of it it goes very slow but in the same breath the sl smallest thing could set off a huge trigger yeah. in the same breath I, i've i've seen it happen and what i what i recommend and what we do is it stops and we separate and like you said we come down we come back together uh if we have a blanket keep a blanket or robe handy should a person need to robe uh, throw a cover on uh you want to make sure that there's enough space for autonomy. If a person needs the distance, give it to them. If they need the time to come back to ground themselves, give it to them mm -hmm. and approach it like any other circumstance where a person needs to be validated in what they're experiencing or reflecting on. Absolutely. Well, this has been very thorough about body mapping. Is there anything that you would like our listeners to know just before we head out? Explore your body, give yourself permission. Right. Because no one's going to be here to do it for you. No one's going to say mm. no one's going to say, go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> in the most positive way. Go explore yourself, explore your partners, learn. No one's going to tell you that until you hear it in some place like this. So please go explore yourself. Go learn your partner. Hold space. Do these things because no one's been taught how to do this. No one will stand there to give these permissions. It's until we realize that there's things that are missing, like self-awareness within our body and how do we communicate it so that we can feel safe and we can feel sexy. 
this is your permission to do that. I almost feel like it's not that almost this feels like this should be part of a self-confidence like workshop, just one of those things. Like it has nothing to do with like what you said earlier, kink, sex, play it. This literally is just getting to know yourself as a more complete human being. I like that. What that is inspiring me to do is create a program of basically getting to know yourself. Like we have, we have, uh, the King Collective Academy, which is an education program that we're hosting, we host year round. Uh, we have an intensive coming up that is geared towards beginners and uh, people interested and curious about it. And the whole element is about getting to know yourself in this in this realm. So that inspires me to actually rewrite the language to best suit and inform folks, what are you exactly getting from, from these intensives? And it's, it's that it's getting to know yourself so you can advocate for yourself moving forward. Absolutely. And where else can my listeners find you? And if you have any more events coming up, I will surely put them in the description for my listeners as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So you can find me at masterjoshua.com. Also kinkcollective.net. That's K-I-N-K collective.net. Also on all major social media platforms under Master Joshua NYC and TikTok too. I love TikTok. Oh my God, it's the, it's the bane of my existence yeah. at the same time. It's, there's so much I learned from there and I love food. I see all, the, anyway, TikTok too. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, this was a great conversation and I'm sure you'll be back on again. I always have a great time talking to you. And for my listeners, as always, you guys know what to do. Stay kinky. Thank you so much.